I want to go on, you remember over Easter we looked at uh, the fact that man had three things, three R's. Do you remember what they were? Ruin, redemption, regeneration. One of the things that is um, very prevalent in the world today is an idea that uh, if something works, it must be okay. I believe that Jesus Christ set us an example, and what he said is what I live by, the Word of God. And I'm not for experimenting on things that aren't in Scripture. I'm not interested in uh, believing something about spiritual things that isn't in the book. Because once you take the Bible away as the touchstone of truth, what have you got? Nothing. Just an opinion of man. And so, to understand where you are in God, it has to be biblical. And the Bible's very clear. One of the things that I notice that many, many people who call themselves Christians, who aren't truly regenerate, in other words, born from above, would claim that all the promises in the Bible apply to them. Well, I've got news for you, they don't. The promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and amen. But you better make sure you're in Christ Jesus before you expect the promises to apply to you. The children of Israel were a called out people and God made promises of blessings and cursings to them. He said, blessed are you if you keep my word and you'll be cursed if you don't. But that didn't apply to the heathen. It only applied to the people of God. And just because you find a promise in the Bible, you can't say, well, that applies to me if you're not a regenerate person. And therefore, I need to be careful from whence the source of life comes. Because there's death. And if you look at the results, King David was marveled and he said, why is it that the wicked prosper? Why is it, God, that you don't just curse them and finish with them? Why is it the people who claim the promises of God, it seems to work in their lives when everything's contradictory? Why is it? Why is it people that are not truly regenerate can come and seem to take the promises and it operates in their life? Yeah, it might do, but by whose power? What is the source? You see, within the soul of man, there's tremendous ability. God put within the soul of man a tremendous capacity. It's very dangerous to believe that what you do as a human being is necessarily God-given. And I want to look uh, and spend some time looking.
because it occurred to me that there are many, many people who live totally wrong. Do you know my Bible says you can't serve God and mammon? In other words, you can't serve God and the things of this world. Just can't. You're going to love one and hate the other. Doesn't matter that you say you love God. If you serve mammon, you're going to hate God, according to Jesus. There's no kind of gray area in it. You're going to live to serve one thing or the other. You can't serve two masters. Now, was Jesus right or wrong? Was he right or wrong? He was right. So it doesn't matter what pretensions or what claims a man makes, it, it really matters who is serving. Is he serving himself? Or is he serving God? Who are you living for? You can't live for both. And yet the modern day trend is almost to say, well, you know, God wants to bless you. Yes, he does. God wants to prosper you. Yes, he does. But what governs the truth is what you're really serving. You see, to serve God and find by grace he blesses you is one thing. But to serve mammon makes you the enemy of God. You're going to hate him because you can't serve two masters. Very plain. And yet I find many people would claim that you can do both. doesn't matter. Have, have everything. You can have all you want plus God too. The truth is you can't. Things go wrong. In the end, God will shake you out your tree. In the end, you're going to have to face you can't do both. You cannot. I'm amazed how many people think you can. You know, it's not in the abundance of things that a man hath that life consists. Life's in Christ. Turn with me to John's Gospel. <laughs> Chapter 15. get a, a, a beautiful picture here I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away 
and every branch that beareth fruit he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done in, unto you. Herein is my glory, Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You know, there's one thing God wants us to produce. What is it? Fruit in our lives. But you'll notice there's a qualification. Now there are branches, but God says those branches are going to be taken out, cast into the fire. God's going to separate them. There's only branches that remain... And he gives the conditions for their remaining. And you'll notice in verse 16, he says, You have not chosen me, and I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You'll also find in um, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you, you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciple. You know, prayer is to do with the will of God. Asking is to do with the will of God. It's not to do with what I want, it's to do with what he wants. And there's one condition, the word of God has got to abide in you. And you've got to abide in that word. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you. It's a choice. It isn't a matter of you can choose what you want to do in life. It's a matter of making a clear decision. I'm going to do what God wants. And it's very plain that if you don't abide in the vine, you're going to be cast forth. That's why it says, many are called, few are chosen. Because there's a demand of God that, hey, you've got to live according to his principles. You've got to live according to his word, not the world's word. And fruit is the most important thing. God wants fruit from your life. And it's not just fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is a natural growth of abiding in the vine. But also, God expects you to be fruitful in your life. Fruitful in what you do to produce. And if you don't, Father's going to come and you're going to be cast forth. And the whole demand is all to do with whether you're going to walk in the Word of God, live in the Word of God, abide in the Word of God. It doesn't say that what you can do is you can be blessed of God, regenerate, and then live your own way, providing it's not forbidden in Scripture. makes it very definite that you can't live the world's way, you can't be what the world is, you've got to make a choice. You cannot, Jesus said, serve God and mammon. Cannot. You cannot serve both. You're going to love one and despise the other. That's the way it's going to be. You've got to make up your mind what you're going to do. You see, idolatry is serving mammon. It's putting things above God. It's making a choice and saying, well, yeah, God says this, but... My Bible says if you have food and raiment, you should therewith be content. In other words, things aren't that important. What's important is that I live for Jesus Christ. What's important is Jesus comes first. What's important is I serve my God. What's important is my life is laid down for him. You'll notice in this uh, scripture he says, uh, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Friendship 
And the base of friendship with God is obedience. You've got to do whatsoever he commands you. It's not a question of, oh, well, I know God met me. I know I had an experience, therefore I'm okay. No. And he makes it quite plain. He says, look, I've got a commandment, just one commandment. That is, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he defines what that love is. We heard Colin sing it earlier. Jesus Christ went to Calvary. He laid down his life for you and me. And he says, look, you've got to lay down your life for your friends. In other words, the concentration in life is what can, not what I can get, but what can I give? And then he says, what you've got to give for your friends is your life. Christianity to, is to do with laying down your life. Christianity is to do with a total surrender of your being to God's will. The church of Jesus Christ becomes a fruitful church when a person stops living for himself and starts living for others. That's what makes a church a thriving church. What makes a church a fruitful church is when people realize their life does not count for anything in their eyes. They want to bless others. Jesus didn't lay down his life needlessly. He laid down his life with a purpose. And he says, I've ordained you that you bring forth much fruit. I've chosen you. You're elect. You're called out. You're chosen. You're a choice vessel. I laid my life down for you. And he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Sacrifice of self is part of the gospel. You can't have the blessing of God without self-sacrifice. And if you don't lay down your life, you don't have any part in God. Now, it's not a mystical laying down of your life, it's practical. No, Jesus said, look, here's the way you do it. You lay down your life for your friends. You love your friends as I've loved you. It's very defined. It's a practical. Christ was always practical. He said, all right, you want to prove it? Live it. Here's the way you live it. And then he defines it. And he says, I want you to bear fruit. I want to see what your laying down of your life for your friends produces. What fruit have you got in your life? What are you showing forth? 
Are you living for yourself? For what you can get? Well, don't call yourself a Christian. Simple as that. Well, it's plain, isn't it? Isn't that what it says? Is that what God expects? See, when things become self-serving, they become destructive. Someone who serves himself. You've got choices in life. The trouble is, it's, it's not unlawful. It's not unlawful to buy a bigger house. It's not unlawful to buy a nicer car. It's not unlawful to buy expensive things. It's not unlawful to go your own way. There's nothing unlawful about it. It's quite permissible. Unfortunately, it goes against the law of love. Greater love hath no man than this, that he does what in verse 13? Lays down, what is your life? Is it some mystical thing? What is your life? So are we talking some hypothetical thing? Lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. Well, that's, that's conditional, isn't it? You're my friend if you do. And we've got to follow Christ's example. We've got to love others as he. That means you've got to lay down your life. See, what makes a church grow is when there's not a self-serving spirit. What makes life, real life, is when man doesn't live for himself. What makes everything right in God is when there's love. But love is not a mystical thing. Love is real. My Bible says you shouldn't love in word, but in deed and in truth. And so you can't come to Christ and say, oh, well, uh, you know, well, I love God and I believe in God. Well, you do well. The devil believes and trembles. But what really are you serving? Who do you serve? Mammon? Or Christ? if you serve Christ, it's total surrender of self. Otherwise, you're a branch that's going to wither and die. I 
And that's why people's spiritual life withers and dies. And they say, can't understand it, you know. And they start praying, saying, oh God, I'm dry, my life is dry. Sure it is, but I'll tell you why it's dry. You just aren't doing what God said. Your life dries up when you don't abide in the vine. Life dries up when you don't draw that life and love and you don't allow it to flow through you and you don't lay down your life to let that life flow to others. Then you talk of going into a wilderness experience. You're not in a wilderness experience. You're just out of fellowship. You're out of fellowship with God. You're just failing to do what God says. You're his friends if you keep his commandments. And all the time people want to give spiritual reasons. Oh well, you know, it's um, just a hard time. No, it's not. God put us on the earth with a purpose. You're to lay down your life for your friend. You can belong to a church, you can come and you can take what you think are the benefits. But if you don't put something into it and you don't lay down your life, long ago I made my choice. My family is the people of God, not my natural family. I don't have a natural family. I have a Christian family. It's called the people of God. I made my choice. Then I decided you live for those who are Christ. That's it. Jesus was confronted with the same situation. They came to him and they said, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. And he turned around and he said, Who is my brother, my, those that hear and do the will of him that sent me? What we have to face is the fact that our true family are the people of God. Friends of God are those that are doing the will of the Father. They've made choices. I, I don't want to be surrounded by people that are self-serving I want to be surrounded by people that love God and put him first don't you or don't you I, I would rather be surrounded with people that lay down their lives than people that just live for their selfish ends I would rather be surrounded with people that are fruitful and bearing the fruit of Christ in their lives than people that just want to live to take everything. God said it's not that way. The way to live is different. And that's what we're about. You see, if you come from the ruin of man to true regeneration, you come out of your old natural birth into a spiritual birth, and then your family becomes the people of God. Your brothers and sisters, those that are alive in God, who are true to God. Your whole life is centered on the work of God. Now you can't get in there by reasoning it, by thinking it. You have to be birthed into it. 
you have to be called to it you have to be chosen but when you are it makes it very clear what you are and then it makes it clear you have to bear fruit I watch people and I'm amazed what they'll sell their soul for how little their soul is worth I mean everything in this world's gonna burn up with unquenchable fire the heavens and the earth are gonna be rolled up as a scroll everything's gonna burn you cannot serve God and mammon that is the fruit of regeneration I'm the vine you are the every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away everywhere you go every person you meet you let them know what you believe you'll change things God put us in the earth to be salt. God put us in the earth to change things. We're a catalyst for change. I believe in living to change things. What I disagree with, I oppose. I'll fight with all my breath for what is right. Isn't that a right way of living? Who have you got to lay your life down for? Friends. Jesus said you've got to lay down your life for your friends the same way I laid down my life. I think the more I read and the more I look and the more I gaze on things, the more determined I am to stand out and say, hey, this is wrong. And the more I'm aware of the fact that the world hates it. Do you know the advantage with everything going dark is that the light shows up better. You put a candle in this room, at the moment it won't be that visible, but you turn every light off and you make the pace pitch black and put a candle there, man, it'll give forth light. And you've got an opportunity. Don't just say, oh, well, things are going wrong, the world's going wrong. You've got a chance, even though you've got small light, to shine in a dark place. <coughs> They'll know you're alive. They'll know you're around. They'll know you're a believer. Okay? Is that plain? I want to pray for the uh, people. You know, you don't need my hand on you. If you want blessing, you've got to do what God says. Um, lift up your hands to heaven. Father, I just pray this day for each one. Lord, that your word will go forth and heal them in every part of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.